Hi everyone, and welcome to the Whiteboard Podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid about their experience in design education and building their career in creative industries. We are also visited by industry professionals willing to share their wisdom in getting started in creative advertising and the related fields. Uh, welcome everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of Whiteboard Podcast. We have three guests today. We have Eric Moore from Made by Emblem. We have Maria Bolaños, who is a Hummer College student, and we have Sarah Morgado, who is also from Made by Emblem. And um, why don't we just start with some introductions? Um, Eric, would you like to go first? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show, on the podcast. My name is Eric. I am the owner and creative director at Made by Emblem. We are a, a strategic design studio here in Toronto, and uh, excited to talk about uh, everything that we do uh, at Made by Emblem. Especially excited to talk about office hours. That's right, office hours. That's amazing, um, which is actually uh, why we're, we've got Maria here today. Maria, would you like to introduce yourself? So, hello everyone. My name is Maria. Uh, I'm a student of Humboldt College in Advertising and Marketing Communication. I'm from Colombia and I studied Business Administration in my home country. Sarah is here today as well. Sarah is over at Made by Emblem and a former grad. Thank you, Sarah. Hi, thanks Eric for having us. Yeah, I graduated from Humber's Advertising and Graphic Design program this year, and I landed an internship at Made by Emblem pretty soon after, um, and I'm working there as their graphic designer slash social media manager or person. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Well, it's okay, that's kind of how it is. You just kind of do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons this podcast exists is to cover topics in that transition from student into working in the, the industry and there's like so many questions that are surrounding that transition and so Eric Moore has started a project which he is calling Office Hours. That's right. And I'd love to hear more about Office Hour. I really I love what you're doing on the podcast here and it's it's very much in line with uh, how Office Hours came to be. We have met with uh, students who were applying for internships and uh, entry-level designer positions over the years and we felt like there were really common questions that were being asked and um, feedback that they that these students really appreciated so we wanted to put it into we wanted to package this into something that we could offer to our uh, to our community and give back to our design community in some way which was offering uh, an informal in-person uh, opportunity to talk about anything design and industry related so um, people can book 20 minutes with anybody on the team. Um, and uh, it's an opportunity, like I said, it's very informal. There's no, um, it, it strips away that idea of uh, an interview, which is a lot of stress and anxiety about that. And um, so whether uh, people want to talk about their portfolios, want to talk about the industry and, and um, titles of, of jobs that they might be interested in, what those look like, and some of the expectations of employers once they get into the workforce, um, we can talk casually about some of those things and give advice where we can, or even just ask questions that that uh, that people haven't considered um, that might lead them uh, to a different uh, either career path or or building of their portfolio in a different way. Brilliant! Um, wow, that's cool. And uh, why like why start this? What are your motivations? <laughs> uh, honestly, it was it's about it's about finding a way to give back to to the design community. So. Um, when we, you know, we've talked about this uh, with a number of different people in, in different agencies and different in, in education and different sectors that um, this sort of 
information is held behind these closed doors about what's actually happening in the industry. We also meet with photographers that are looking to, um, you know, get some feedback on their portfolio and how they want to change their website to, to better attract different kinds of work. I've talked to people that are looking to, to start their own business, go from being a freelancer to, to starting a, a a design firm or a, or a small agency, whatever it might be. So, but for students in particular, I think it's a really, it's a way for us to say, look, it's not as scary out there as, as it may seem. Um, and we can make it a little less scary by talking about some of the elements that you are so unsure about. And so if we can, if we can help uh, shed some light on some of those things and, and make it a little less, make it a little less scary about talking to people who are in the industry about what some of those expectations are, then um, it makes us feel, feel like we've given, given something back. So. I'm sure it's really appreciated. I wish I had something like that when I was coming up school. Cause <laughs> yeah. I remember having no idea. And you look back on your portfolio when you graduated and you're like, this was in no way crafted to get the career I wanted, but you don't, you don't even think about that. You just think I'll put my work up for the world. I'll tell them what I want and they'll decide if they want to hire me to do that work. But it's, it's not that simple. Yeah. I think that office hours kind of uh, targets the sweet spot between when you're working with your instructors, they give you a certain kind of feedback on your work. Um, there isn't, the, the risk level isn't quite as high as your first week on the job when you have to design something, let's say, and your manager or your boss says, you know, that's not going to work. You've got to do something different. And so, so there, there's got to be somewhere in between those two scenarios. And that's where I feel like, like we had somebody come in the other day who was a student. Uh, he's also doing some freelance work. And so he said, I've got a pitch deck that I'm sending to him to a client. Um, I'd really like your team's feedback on it. And I said, well, do you want to come in and pitch it to the team? Just book an office hours and you can pitch it. So he came in and we all sat around and he pitched this deck to us. And, and that, and what he, I think what he got out of it was he was like, this is great because there's no pressure. I'm not actually trying to sell this thing to you. You're not the client and I'm not doing it for school, but I'm getting a third party, like an, like an outsider's perspective on the work I'm doing, how the communication in this deck can be adjusted to better sell the concept that I'm presenting. And so that I thought was a really great win for honest with no pressure is not a thing that exists <laughs> yeah. in design. Right. So like to, for you to craft, create that is like pretty awesome because well, the the other thing too is that we don't. I don't think that what um, when students come in for one books one of these office hours, we all and and again they can book twenty minutes with anybody. Any there's six of us on our team, and so there's uh, myself. I'm a creative director. I'm a business owner. I'm my background is in fine art and illustration and design. Um, our there's our associate creative director, um, our senior designer, our our junior designer, our project manager. So, so people can pick who they want to talk to. And so my hope is, is they'll get something different no matter who they talk to. But also it's not just about showing your work and getting a harsh critique from an outside source. It's also often what we'll do is just ask questions. So, you know, why, why are you here? What do you want to talk about? What, what do you feel is standing in the way of you being able to do what you want to do, whether that's your job or whether that's your creative practice, how the design world fits into your life. Like it can be big questions. It can be kind of like therapy, right? Like it's, it's a little bit of like, okay, you're in this really crazy time in your life, especially for, you know, for students. And it's like, okay, well, how can we, how can we help make it a little less crazy? So that's why I think it's great that Maria's here because she has yeah. just done the office hours recently. And uh, yeah, Maria, I'd love to hear what's your reaction to all this. So, well, like in the professional practice course, they offer like the option to book the office hours. Like, I don't know how they get it, but oh, really? they, they send it to us. And then like we can pick like the people. So like I saw that you were like the owner. So I was like, okay, 
I just want to meet him. Like my like in my head was like I don't know like if I'm going to ask him like about my resume or whatever my portfolio. Nothing. I just want to meet him. And there is like a box that you have to text like what do you want to know like something. And it was like nothing. I didn't put anything. <laughs> so when I met him, like he was like. I didn't say nothing in the textbook. So I was just, yes, because I just want to meet him. And like, <laughs> you just want to know, like to break that thing that you have in your head that maybe because he's the owner, so you don't know how to talk to him and maybe it's going to be something scary or you don't know like who is the person. Maybe you think that it's someone like very rude, but when you go there and it's like a very friendly environment, like when you went to the office and everything is like open and like the, when you go, like there is no reception, it's just like a living room. So <laughs> it's like, you feel like in a different place. Like you are like, okay, this is not something that I, I'm going to be scared. And when I met you, like it was completely different, like what is in my head. So I did it because I want to stop like feeling that it's going to be like very weird, very formal and yeah, I did it because of that. Not because I was looking for another thing like regarding like my like the college and all that experience is like to to break that like fear that I had in my mind. And also I did another appointment with uh, Marika. But it was completely different because it was online. I don't like I don't like online things. I prefer to be in person, <laughs> yeah. to talk with the people, to saw the face, and when it, like I don't take like online courses, nothing. I prefer like to do everything in person, and it was completely different. Like you cannot connect with the person if you do it online. So I feel like the difference between like both like both meetings. So I prefer like. I prefer, and I think the office hours, it's like very useful for you, like as a student to stop feeling the, the fear and that you can have like something good. It's just like to flow, but do something, but flow. That's great. That's exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, hear, to hear you talk about it in that way, that it just takes the fear out of going and talking to somebody in the industry, that, that makes it all worth it. That's, yeah. that's exactly what we're trying to do. Some of my friends, they were scary to book the appointment with you because you were the owner. Right, yeah. So no one wants to do it. <laughs> I was the first person. I saw like the first meeting. I was like, okay, I'm going that day. And everyone was like, why well, you did it? Like, what do you mean that why I did it? Like, I just like, it's just a person. Like yes. to remove that the like the like the stereotype that he's the owner, he's going to be rude, mod, and he's not going to have like time for you. It's like just like go. Yeah. Well, we had somebody who met with the associate creative director and said, why are you doing this? It was, it was kind of grilling him about like, why are you, this is your way of looking for talent, right? You're looking for interns, you're looking for designers, you're looking for, and, and we're like, no, we're actually, we're actually offering something. And he was like, he just couldn't wrap his head around it. He was like, this is, there's something wrong here. There's like, you can't, there's like, there's too, there should be more barriers. Why are there more barriers? So, I mean, it's basically like, it's basically like going to an event or going to a party where you can walk up to somebody and talk to somebody. Like we were just at the, our director's um, ADCC's event and it's hard to go up and talk to people and so this is just a way that it's almost like you can book that bumping into somebody and having a 20 minute conversation with them I think also like if, if there is a motivation maybe I'm wrong Eric you can tell me if there is a motivation it's just that like at some point people realize that if you put back into like systems you get more out of them you know uh, high tide floats all boats and so. I, that's how I learned. I didn't. I I didn't go to school for graphic design or marketing or advertising or any of this stuff. So I I studied fine art, and when I got into the design world, I was really really lucky to be offered um, 
sort of a paid internship kind of working, like learning on the job kind of jobs. And that's how I built my career. So it was those, it was those jumping off points of some really, really great individuals that took a chance on me. What's the story from um, fine arts degree to industry? I was represented by galleries and I was showing a lot of work. I was selling a lot of work and I was, uh, I, I thought I would just be a painter for the rest of my life. And then uh, being a painter is a really uh, uncertain um, in terms of uh, income. So when we had, when my wife and I had kids, um, we, uh, I decided that I wanted to do something that seemed a little bit more stable and so I, I started doing illustration works I thought that would be the right transition from like paintings to paintings that people are buying ahead of time and then that led into graphic design work and then like I said I was offered a couple of jobs where um, I basically said I don't I don't know how to do any of this stuff and this uh, woman Marianne von der was like uh, it's fine just come in work every day I'm going to give you an assignment you just have to figure it out by the end of the day and if anybody asks Tell them you know what you're doing. <laughs> and, so, and so I did that for two years and I learned a ton that way. And then um, I started getting into magazines and custom publishing and sort of uh, over a few years, but then became a creative director where I was overseeing a number of different magazines, um, all for corporate clients. So speaking the language of marketing through the format of magazines. And then uh, I went off uh, on my own and realized that I am better as a leader of a group of talented people than relying on my own uh, design shops. So I started uh, Made by Emblem and then it's been growing over the last um, number of years. And here we are. And now we do much more, like like I said, my background was in, was in magazines. And then, so then it slowly changed into, into more marketing and advertising. And now we, like we had two campaigns that were in market for Pearson Airport this summer. Um, billboard and bus shelter ads and and that's that was kind of a nice it was like oh wow our work is on billboards that's really exciting so it's nice that it, it's constantly evolving but it all comes from a place of visual communication really yeah i, f I feel like in the education system especially in college level we really do undersell the value of just basic art things like color and composition right. and like <laughs> It's unfortunate because we feel like we don't have time and these sort of fundamentals kind of get glossed over. But I do see lots of people coming from fine art. My high school art teacher was a graphic designer and he actually started, I don't know if anybody remembers like the 70s or the 80s, but if you were selling cigarettes, it was always a painted pack of cigarettes on a really nice looking table in a ski chalet with a fire in the background and they were like laid out and open and two or three cigarettes were like come up. He used to paint those. Um, <laughs> and that, but that was graphic design, yeah. right? So I don't know. I think there's something about that training that really translates. And Sarah, also coming from the fine art world mm -hmm. and a very strong designer. Yeah, I attended OCAD's illustration program and always had had a passionate interest in the arts, but I also had that mindset similar to Eric's where I wanted something that felt more stable, more reliable. And I became interested in graphic design after graduating from um, OCAD's program. I felt like I had garnered like a sense of those fundamentals you're talking about, about composition, about color theory. And I thought that kind of translates well into graphic design. And uh, doing some research, I knew I wanted something that had a bit more regiment to it. So I knew like a school prep program would make sense for me found Humber's advertising and graphic design program, and I felt like the, the logical step in my career progress. So 
Yeah, I've always appreciated that background in illustration and uh, strategically thinking about um, your placement of items and but also the meaning behind whatever items you're choosing. Um, it's all a way of visually communicating a message or a story. And so I just tried to take that same mindset and uh, bring it over into design. And um, yeah, my creativity as well, that also helps, yeah. And that not being afraid of an empty page. Yes, yeah. knowing I, it's going to be ugly a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to get through the ugly phase and maybe something. I, I have been accused of hiring people that, that uh, sketch things out. So, I, yeah, there is something about seeing somebody grab a piece of paper and a pencil to mm -hmm. actually, whether it's a, you know, it's a magazine layout or it's a, it's a billboard ad or it's like a whatever it is that we're trying to figure out. Yeah. And, uh, I can all start with a pen and yeah. paper, yeah. We need more of that at every level because, you know, we were just working on a project where it's an eight-page, it's a pitch book instead of like a deck. It's a book that will be printed and bound and handed to a client. And students, like, they didn't even really know where to start. And I was like, mm. pick up a pencil, fold up eight pages, and start writing what needs to be on each page. The default is to jump into software. That's yeah. where people, and that's not where it starts. Design happens in your brain and layout happens in software. Maybe like we're missing that a little bit now. You know, Maria was saying we're missing, um, we're not in person as much anymore and there's so much value in that. Even though I actually, I love online stuff, including sometimes meetings, but not always. <laughs> um, but we're definitely missing it. And I think it's probably not a good thing. I think it's part of the social because like when I started university, it was in 2014 and everybody has a notebook and you were with your pen. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody has computers. Mm -hmm. No one is worried about to write something. Like the people just hear the teacher and we have the slides on the computer. So no one is worried about to take notes. Yeah. So I think that doesn't help. So when someone says like, we have to do a sketch. So they just put like pictures from Google. So that's not actually a sketch, but I think it's something like it's cultural right now. And it's the same thing, like, for example, like with kids, it's like they are using phones and iPads and computers, so they don't spend the time like painting something. So I think it's going to be even worse in a few years because they are not going to use a pen and a notebook. Now I've, I just have one person in the classroom who takes notes in a notebook, just one person, and we are 30. There's a, there's a bunch of data about how the actual writing down of how it stays in your brain and how recall is much better when you actually write something down with it. And, and I've seen, there's a great visual of like somebody, you can, you can write it down and then write the next word directly on top of it. So you don't have to be able to read it afterwards. Oh wow! It's the act of writing it down. Huh. So like you can fill a whole page that's been scribbled over. So none of it's legible, right. but if, as you're listening to concepts, you're, you're actually writing those letters, those words and those sentences down, that it's actually helping with your recall, huh. which I think is, is fascinating yeah. that like even just the act of it. But it's, you're right, it's once, it'll be interesting to see the design process, the, the design ideation process, if if we get rid of the sketching out stage at all, where it's like, it's our, it's our reaction to and relationship with other reference images rather than us developing the, the, the shapes and the relationships. Um, For me, the software is, doesn't operate at the speed of thought, but my hand and a pencil does. Like if I'm taking notes in a notebook, I can have tabs and I can flick through certain areas and I can like freely circle things and connect things. I could do that very quickly. So like sitting in a meeting, taking notes on a, uh, on a laptop, 
in a word processor, I can't do that. If I, if I have a tablet and I'm drawing on a tablet, that counts to me as paper. It's just, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you get a lot of questions about these kinds of process things um, in your office hours? It seems like just about everybody that's come to talk to the team has had a different, has done it for different reasons. I think the common thread is like students that are entering into the workforce, but even from there it can be really, really different. So um, I don't, I haven't talked to a lot of people that is specifically about um, about sort of the, the technology or software or, or uh, even ways of approaching sort of, you know, ideation or, or development of, of concepts and stuff like that. Um, it's been a lot of, how does my portfolio look? Mm -hmm. And that starts a conversation about why is this in your portfolio? Why is that in your portfolio? What isn't in your portfolio? You've been talking a lot about X and I don't see that in your portfolio. So stuff like that, that I think is, has been really helpful. Um, uh, there was somebody that came into somebody on the team who really wanted to get into illustration work and, but who's, who didn't, who didn't know how to speak about their work and didn't know, didn't, wasn't able to articulate sort of what, what working as an illustrator meant. And so there was lots of talk about what do you think it means? This is what we think it means. Where are the gaps? You know, how do you, how, are you sure that that's what you want to do? Or, or, or what is, is, is your impression of what illustr an illustration career is different from um, what the reality might be out there? So. And do you, do you find that people coming in, so I come in, I want to be an illustrator. Do they ask to talk to an illustrator on staff or like, who are they talking to? And Some people will, will, will blank, <laughs> like uh, book with everybody and oh, oh, see how cool. it goes. Okay. <laughs> so it could be the owner, the CD, the associate CD, the senior designer, juniors, project managers, can yeah. pretty much encounter anyone. Yeah. You know, on the, on the website, when you go onto the office hours page on our website, madebyemblem.com slash office dash hours. Nice. <laughs> you can see everybody's, there's a little, there's a little blurb for each person about what they're about. And hopefully that will help steer people into, into the right question. But again, the whole point of it is that it's an informal way to talk about whatever you want to talk about, about the industry. And we'll answer it as best we can. I met with people and then I've said, book another one. Let's talk again. Wow. Like, let's look at your book again. You, 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 you know, I talked to somebody who said, oh, I'm going to totally redo my portfolio based on what you said. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. But like, I, you know, if you feel like that's the direction to go, <laughs> yeah, no pressure, sure. like I, I'm not telling you to do it, but it's, but they're like, okay, well, I really like what you said about this and this and this. I think I should, there, I have some other work that I really want to put in now that you've mentioned A, B and C. And I'm like, okay, great. And then they said, okay, can I come back and show you again? I'm like, yeah, just book another office hours and we'll sit down again. And the nice thing for us is it's a 20 minute block. It's not, it's the, the investment on our side isn't huge. And I only, it's important to, to let people know that if they're booking office hours, it isn't a huge, it doesn't take a ton of our day away, right? Like it seems like a really big deal for especially students coming to talk to us that it's like, oh my God, they put this time aside for us. But it's like, it's not, it's not a big investment on our side. And I think the payoff is so much outweighs um, the time that we're spending. I think that's, yeah, so. So book a, book a meeting, so book, book a, a follow-up, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. There's something to be said about, I never got sharper as a designer than like my first couple of years of teaching. I was teaching part-time and working. And I was never sharper than when people were asking me, 
to look at their work and say something intelligent other than I like it or I don't. Yeah. It, no, honestly, like it, it, it helps because you're like, next time I'm working, I'm like, oh, like it's literally what I just told the student about this. So it's fun and beneficial to anyone really. We had this student come in and, and pitch us this deck, yeah. for this project he was working on. And a few days later, it came up that the associate creative director was like, remember what we just said to so-and-so? We need to do that in our deck. And it was like, that's exactly, so we're benefiting from that relationship too. We ask our clients questions constantly about where they, what the goals are of this project so we can practically and order in an orderly fashion, you know, how we're going to attack this project, how we're going to reach the goals so that everybody gets what they need out of this. And so when we're saying things like this to, to students and looking at their book and, and making these kinds of comments, we're taking that back and, and critiquing our own work afterwards too, through that same lens. So it's a win-win. Awesome. And Maria, did you do portfolio review or were you more just, it sounded like you just wanted to chat. And... <laughs> I just went to talk, but at the end I show him like my portfolio and I was one of the person who was like, okay, I oh, yeah, have to true. redo everything. <laughs> <laughs> I have to re like fix some parts and everything. And that's like in my pending list that I have to do, but I want to do it when I have time to really spend the time that it deserves to do like a very good job. But I went for the portfolio too, but just like as a feedback, you know, I, because I'm doing that, but I don't know if I'm doing well. So who is the right person to ask? Well, the owner. And a lot of what we talked about wasn't about, some of it was about this work is stronger than this work, but mm -hmm. it was about what are you trying to say? So there was yeah. a lot of talk about. It's like to show your personality in the portfolio, to be yourself in the portfolio. Sometimes it's hard because you are trying to show like the best of you but sometimes it's not the best of you the best of you is it's not your job it's you i'm definitely guilty of that my portfolio is absolutely nothing like me <laughs> <laughs> other than it's very dry <laughs> yeah i feel like my goal with my portfolio it's i agree it's like showing your personality through your work but it's also not getting too ahead of yourself and packaging in a way that other people, professionals can digest it. Mm -hmm. So if, I don't know, for me, it kind of feels like trying to do both those things. Do you yeah. want to tell us more about what you meant by packaging the portfolio in a way that so other professionals can digest it? You're not going to sit with someone all the time and have them look at your portfolio. So it's trying to get in the mindset of someone who is looking at your portfolio, but maybe they don't know you at all. So explain everything to them. So with my pages on my own website with my like case studies or whatever you can call them. I try to explain the setup, like the situation, like who is this client? What was the brief? What were my roles specifically in that project? As long as I have all that information laid out, I feel then I can show my personality and put the fun stuff, which is the work itself. And then also it's about maybe your homepage is like immediately someone who doesn't know you again, like can understand what you're about. Oh, this person is really into UX because all their projects I see are UX design or it's brand identity. And so I guess it's just about trying to articulate yourself as best as you can through your work. Yeah. It took me many years to realize that I thought it was, I'm just putting my work out there and you know, maybe that just takes a lot of conversations to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. um, you used the, use the word case study and then you qualified it and you said, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and well, I'm happy, I'm happy you did because 
is an example of where you will Google that and you'll read about it and everything you're reading could potentially confuse even more because a UX case study and an advertising case study and a print design case study and a branding case study meaning different things. And <laughs> these are the kind of things that unless you sit down and have a conversation that's two-way with someone who's been doing this for a significant amount of time, it's really hard to get answers that make sense or are comprehensive on it that kind of nuance, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I use that word subconsciously because I hear it a lot at the office. <laughs> no, it's a, good, it's a good word to use. It's, it's a great a, word to yeah, use. Yeah, it's, it's a great just... word. Um, I just, I don't think, I definitely wouldn't apply that word to what I do on as like my own practice. Um, but I, I, don't I would. Know. I would. I, yeah. yeah, I'd argue that a case study is only just to is to articulate what the what the goals were, right. what your process getting to those goals, and then the outcome and whether or not you reach the goals. Like you said, Eric, like if you go on the internet and you're like, this is what a case study is, you'll get a hundred different ideas of what that would be. But ultimately, if in your website or your portfolio you're trying to communicate to a potential employer how your brain works. Mm-hmm. You want our, you want to have your. This is what I set out to do. This is how. I, this is my journey to get there. This is what I ended up with, and this is why it's successful. And that's your case study, right? So, yeah, it took like someone telling me to do that. Honestly, to get to that point, I my first website draft was just pictures of my works. I thought, oh, it speaks for itself. But um, I was speaking to someone in the industry, and they very plainly just said we need more context essentially and so a a case study is like the best way to walk someone through yeah i think it begs a caveat at this point we don't have all the answers i think we have a lot of experience in the fields that we're that we work in so we have a lot of feedback to give but by no means is it the the last word period on that Mm -hmm. subject we are constantly reviewing and revising our own work in the same way that this area you're talking about this like we we're currently redoing our website we're trying to make it better we're trying to communicate better we're trying to get exactly what i just described for our case studies that changes all the time we go back to projects that we've already completed and we'll tell the story differently because we want we want to emphasize different parts of it right now in the the stage that we're at in the company right so it's a journey <laughs> you know the learning never stops yeah and we never stop changing and so our portfolio changes yeah, yeah. i'll ask a question which may expose my ignorance when it comes to the creative world moving from fine arts and moving it into design or commercial arts let's say the idea of a portfolio is very is it different and was there like reprogramming to think to stop thinking of yourself as like an artist versus a commercial artist i ask because a lot of our students are coming from a fine arts background is there any insights there which are worth sharing interestingly i think that i am less um precious about the design work than i do that i do than about the fine art you'd have to to do so there was definitely a shift from (laughs) sitting in a studio and throwing paint at a wall to just explore emotion Mm. to then what does that really mean and how are we what are we selling by putting red next to blue and being able to so it's a much more informed what's moving into the commercial arts about you know about uh it's a much it's analytical on on a very different scale but like we talked about before, having that grounding in uh, composition, color theory, and, and um, the elements of design, that those are universal. And so I think you're starting with a huge leg up, um, that, that you're, you're coming at a lot of that stuff intuitively, um, if you have any kind of sort of fine arts background. 
Mm -hmm. I pretty much was felt like I was going from being an illustration student to a graphic design student. And through talking to people in the industry and to instructors, I learned that it was sort of about separating yourself from the work. And that means many things, but it means trying to, I guess like as an artist, you have like your own language and that's your whole work is about your own language that you build. But then with graphic design, you're talking to many people, you're talking to the public. So it's shifting that yeah. um, and trying to make your work more accessible. So for me, it felt like this is more my, my right side of my brain or whatever. And so I have to logically think about like what type I'm going to use, what colors I'm going to use. I have to think about all these things because they're not just like intuitive decisions anymore. They're more um, meaningful decisions, I guess. And then again, like the, that case study, I can't just have my work, the mediums I used and the name of the, the work and have it there, have the work speak for itself. I have to have my graphic design, my work, and I have to show my work on different mediums to show that it's actually effective. So here it is on a Instagram ad, here it is on a, like a soda can, you know? Um, so it's like, almost like expanding your vocabulary so that other people can grasp what you're trying to say. I seek out fine art because I want to be shown something to think about and digest, but commercial art is something that I see because I couldn't close the pop-up fast enough. <laughs> so it's like a very different, you know, mindsets and, and you have to think about that. Maria, did you say your BA is? Business administration. Any lessons from there, which you want to share with people entering the design world? Ooh, not just for design. And I think like business administration helped me to learn how to organize my life and how to understand that there is always time for everything and if you want to do something you have to put dates and you have to organize everything and have like priorities in your life i think that's something that i learned during the whole career also like i understood the difference areas in the in any company so that helped me to understand like how all the business works so i think it's going to help to be like multifunctional in a new company so I think it's very useful. Like sometimes we feel like stressed because we have jobs that we think that is not going to help. For example, now I'm working in LA Fitness and I'm a receptionist. When I started there, I was like, what I'm doing here? I studied in my home country. I have a lot of experience in different things. And now I am a receptionist. And I was like feeling insane. like in the first months I was feeling like very stressful because I was feeling that I was doing anything, but I improved my English and I stopped like feeling the fear to talk in English with the people. So with the time, I know that the things that I'm living now, it's because I have to learn something. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at the life in general. So sometimes we feel scared or we feel like frustrating because we don't have the things that we really want, but we really need to understand what we have to learn and learn something. I lived in Montreal for a couple of years and I had to, I, I, I went to bilingual school and then uh, a bilingual uh, public school and high school and then uh, lots of years of not speaking French, but then I had to do some brush up classes because I had to be able to hire photographers in French Okay. And show up on set and be able to like direct photography, you know, in French. And it was so hard. So hard. So I admire anyone who's, you know, entering into the 
entering into the job market where English is not their first language. Maybe this is a good time to mention a project I just started. I'm making a multilingual glossary of design. Oh, cool. Yes. That's great. Well, thank you. So anyone listening who wants to contribute non-English translations, I would love that. I can um, help you. Okay, great. The need arose again out of just talking to people. So many people in this industry are on their second career. Right, in including me. My BA is in literature and history. Right. And I thought I would be like editing textbook. And then I was just like, nope. So uh, I'd rather make the textbook. So I ended up studying design. And it just, it's such a common thing. So many people come here after something else. Yeah. I don't know why. It's an island of misfit toys. <laughs> All the more reason to have these communities like office hours where we can kind of talk. And, but... Yeah, I wish we could offer office hours in different languages. You can do French. You can start there. <sighs> you can practice. Mise en page is one of my... Mise en page and espace fin in French are the two things that I thought were so much better in French than they are in English. And mise en page is just like the layout. like Point on page. Yeah. 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 And the espace fin, which is, uh, which is a fine space that's right. in between punctuation. So before the, the question mark or exclamation mark or the quotes and stuff. Right. And so that there's a few words in French that I still think of when I'm designing that I wish were part of my regular vocabulary. That's like All you got is sans and serif. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's all we got. <laughs> Speaking of coming from all different kind of industries, this is an industry where I guess like promptness and meeting deadlines is super important because if the event's on Friday and it needs to go to print on Wednesday because it has to dry on Thursday, you have to do it. So Eric, what happens if someone books office hours and isn't there on time or isn't there at all? Yeah, it's not great to be honest. Um, we are offering up our time in a generous and meaningful way and I think we're really easy to talk to and we have so much to offer we expect that if somebody books a time that they show up for that time if of course shit happens and I get that and so we've had people cancel and that's absolutely fine um, we've had people say look I'm, I'm, I'm even I'm stuck in traffic I, I'm 15 you know it's 15 minutes away from my time and I'm not going to make it you know whether or not that's true it's still it's still letting us know and i think that's really that's really great i had somebody not show up recently and i was i was kind of like wondering whether or not to send a follow up saying hey you didn't show up to office hours just wondering and i'm like what no i'm not going to do that if if you if you book an office hours i'm looking forward to talking to you yeah. so show up and uh we'll have a great chat and uh but if you can't make it just let us know that you can't make it right uh, but but uh, and then beyond that too it's an opportunity for, for you to try out going into a meeting. So be prepared, present yourself in a way that you get as much out of it as you want. If you want to come, like Maria said, and just sort of get to know somebody and say, what's your story like in the industry? I want to know what, what your day looks like. But if, if you want to try on applying for a job or you want to try on presenting your portfolio or coming in and pitching us a deck to see what that will feel like when you have to do that in real life, as it were, then come dress the part, prepared for the part, all that kind of stuff. Get out of it what you want to get out of it. Um, because it's only 20 minutes, if somebody comes in and they don't really know what they want or they're, they haven't really prepared or they, they don't know what they want to get out of it, then they're not going to get as much out of it, is my, is my thinking. I feel like that kind of also 
is a good advice for anything in general in the professional yeah. world. If yeah. you're going to an interview, have some questions ready. Show that you're interested. Show that you've done your research. Show that you care is really important. And yeah. I think a lot of people appreciate that. Look up their work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. Look up their work, know their work, digest something they've done so that you could say, hey, I really loved that one thing you did with that one company for that thing because of yeah. a thing. Mm -hmm. They're going to ask you, oh, what did you like about it? And then yeah. you're going to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And also the person, like, you know the name. If you don't know something, like, you can Google it. But if you go in, like, no, if you don't know nothing, they are going to know that you don't know nothing. Yeah. It's a small industry. Too. Yeah. It's very, there's a limited number of events and there's a limited number of people who go and each of those person is connected to the person who didn't go. Which is great. It's what I yeah. love. I mean, and Sarah was awesome at the ADCC. It's like, you got to go and talk to two people. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to go talk to two people. I keep telling people that come in to office hours, reach out and make a couple of connections. That's where your job is going to come from. It's going to be that you met somebody oh, yeah. who introduced you to somebody and they know somebody yeah. and then it comes around and it's like, oh, I know that person. And then that turns into something. And I'm, I'm not saying that the only way into a job is by who you know, but it makes getting work and connecting with people that much easier. And yeah. you never know who are you going to meet. You yeah. don't know. Yeah. Like maybe yes. you can find your next boss. Like yep. you don't know that just and like yeah. oh. it's the same thing with us for for new business development like some of the clients we have come from the most unexpected places and we'll spend tons of time working on rfps and pitch decks and all this kind of thing and then i bump into somebody at the building like i bumped into somebody at the building today and she was like oh we got to hire you guys to do this branding project for us and i was like oh okay so yeah. it's you never know where it's going to come know. from right it's Be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, be nice to everyone. Exactly. <laughs> because someone, because, yeah. Be nice and send follow-up thank you notes. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to say, too, I, I wanted to give you props because you were a great interview. When you came to interview for oh, for the, the internship, <laughs> I remember that you, because you did all that stuff that you're talking about and you showed interest and you, we had things to talk about and... Um, it's funny because I do it I, I do it without even thinking about it but at the end of an interview I'm like is there anything else we need to talk about do you have any questions and I literally do it as the ending to a thing like is there something we've forgotten that we need to like mm -hmm. do yeah. we have our test and so I don't see it as a test <laughs> but the people that are like actually I yeah. do have a question here's an unrelated thing how do you feel about pineapple on your pizza All right. Right. <laughs> you know like anyway so I think that those are those are little tricks that when you have them at the ready it's uh it's smart because the people is going to remember you because yeah, you did yes. something unique. Yeah, you spoke. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, everyone else is saying I'm an independent thinking team worker who's deeply motivated <laughs> with driven passion for success, like the ChatGPT. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. The, you know, yeah. so someone who has their own voice. What are some good questions you've had in interviews, Eric? Any? Oh, I'm trying to think. They're most. <laughs> do you remember what you asked? I'm trying those? to remember, and I I don't remember. But something I do like to ask is. Are you interviewing behind Eric's back? My <laughs> 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 previous like interviews. Oh my God, making me sweat. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I like to ask, um, regardless of their position, like what is their experience working there like what is the culture like for them yeah and i think that's what you did because I, I, that's because i liked that i can't remember how it was phrased but it was phrased as something like what does a day look like 
at Made by Emblem? Yeah. What does it look like? Yeah, a day in the life at, at, at uh, Emblem for fun. Like, what do you guys do for fun or something oh, like that? Oh, nice. And so it, it took it out of, uh, let's talk about the work or specifics about the job or, or these kinds of things and just turned it into the the mm-hmm. what the what the mood in the office is or, or yeah. what the sort of personality of the, the corporate culture yeah. is, as it were. It's basically asking, do you like working here? Yeah, 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 yeah which right. was great. And then yeah. we co- sort of, we talked and laughed about like, yeah, we try and have fun, and this is a small yeah. group, and those are the dynamics. And uh, Eric, you just mentioned that you remembered it was a good cover letter. This is another one of those things where if you rely on the wisdom of Google, mm-hmm. you will probably come away thinking that the cover letter is dead, and you don't need to write a cover letter, mm-hmm. and recruiters don't read them. And yeah, who is reading cover letters? Are people reading cover letters? And what makes a good cover letter? Oh boy, it's not fair for me to ask this because you didn't come here for this. No, that's fine. I, yeah, it's like office hours. Yeah. I'm happy to give my opinion right. on any and okay. anything and everything. Who's reading? So I've heard people say that computers are reading your cover letter. Yeah, so yeah. they're looking yeah. for this. So there, are, there are robots that are reading your cover letter and your resume. So it must be formatted in a certain way and cover off a few elements. Blah blah. blah. Depends on the kind of job you're applying to. Yes. Like I said before, we're a small team. There's six of us in the office. So every one of us is reading your cover letter. And so the reason why this cover letter uh, from Christina was so good is that it addressed all of us. It addressed it to Eric Moore and the Made by Emblem team or something. Not only was it really well written, it talked, like you said, about projects from our website that she really liked the work that we've done. And not just that she liked it, but that it resonated with her for the following reasons. And that's the kind of work she aspires to do more of in her career. I say this a lot to students about showing that you have um, uh, that you have enthusiasm and a willingness to learn, right? Every opportunity that's presented to you, that you're trying to make the most of it and that it's about learning. So conversely, like the, the worst cover letter is, I'm an expert at X, Y, and Z, hire me. It's like, well, if you are fresh out of school, you're not really an expert at those things. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no amount of telling me that you are that's gonna make it any better. Oh, the worst is like, dear hiring manager. And I wanna be clear too, that it's not about, it's not about stroking somebody's ego and about saying, saying you're the greatest and the work you do is the coolest <laughs> thing ever and that's so great. It, it's about saying, I, I've, I've done a bit of work here and I think your work resonates with what I wanna be doing. So I, I wanna learn from you, I wanna work within this group of people because I think I'll be able to do my best work if I'm there. And so if you can communicate that in the cover letter, that's, I think that's the, that's the real gem. We got a poem recently. Oh wow. It was wow. just a poem. Huh. Risk. And it was kinda awesome. It was enough that it stopped me. I shared it with the group. It made us look at her portfolio it made us go through everything that she'd done, all of her work, read about her thoughts on her work. There were like additional websites off of her main website, but we went through the whole thing. Wow. In retrospect, I was kind of like, the poem wasn't it wasn't like award-winning poetry, but it was enough that it like got us interested and curious and um, and so we explored more. And And I think that is a big part of it's taking risks taking a big swing and um, getting people's attention. That's great. 
I love cover letters. I'm always advocating for them. So this <laughs> yeah, selfish, no, I but... think I think especially the size of the company. So again, if yes. you're the only way you know that is by doing your research. Yeah. So you yes. figure out, you identify the company because of the work that they do, the size of the company, and you think that you're a good match, and then you reach out. You know who the people are that you're reaching out to. You know who's going to be reading it and who. You know, it doesn't. You don't have to stalk them on Facebook, but you at least get an idea <laughs> on LinkedIn of who they are, what they're. Yeah, that's what that's what Maria does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, level of stalking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it, it, it's good. There's there's a difference between the Indeed job posting with two thousand yeah. applicants and maybe a machine is reading it and applying to something like made by Emblem, where a human being is carefully selecting who they hang out with. Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. completely different. And for our last round of of hiring, we we got something like 150 applications and we narrowed it down to 10 people that we interviewed in person. And then from that 10, we narrowed it down to the top three and then we did our hiring from there. So, um, so it's, it's, it's a lot. And that's for a small, that's we're we're a small uh, company that not a lot of people would necessarily know about. I bet you put more as a percentage, significantly more of your time into finding talent than a big company. Because it's such a, you know, we're increasing our, by hiring one person, we're increasing our workforce. <laughs> Which is actually why if I was starting now, I would definitely start somewhere like Made by Album or like any of the ama- numerous amazing agencies and studios in Toronto that are less than say 20 people. Yeah. Um, but it might be harder to get in, but it might be easier. Like the larger agencies have more projects. turnover too though, right? So yes. if they win a big client, they have a big contract and they have to hire 20, 30 people all of a sudden. And then if they lose a client, then they, they let, you know, 20, 30, 50 people go. Yeah. So you run that risk, but you might get in the door and get some, a year's worth of experience and then you move on to something. I think it's much better to start in a small company because the people listen to you and they have the time to explain to you something that maybe you don't know. And also you can learn even more because you have to do more roles and there are no like many people to divide tasks. Everyone work together. So you learn things that you don't know that that things exist. <laughs> it's going to be harder in the beginning, of course, but it's going to be good at the end. It's very true. That's exactly like one of the perks of working in a smaller like agency and I have the even greater perk of sitting next to Eric. (laughs) And so the amount of times where he can see over my screen and sees me struggling like in Photoshop or After Effects and he can, he kind of just like watches for a bit and then he'll he'll let me know like a quicker way to do it, whatever it is I'm doing. And um, that's always, I always appreciate that. I feel like you let me struggle a little bit and then you're like, hey, what's what's going on here? That's that's been really great. I've, I've learned a lot just through that. I'm sure he's just waiting because he figures you're gonna figure it out, not because he wants to watch you struggle. He's yeah, like, right. she's gonna figure it out. Right. Yeah, you have some faith in me. There are big companies who will just ask and ask and ask and ask. I I work uh, mostly in house for a law firm on Bay Street, and I learned animation because they said, "Can you right. do, yeah. can you do animation?" So in house is different because they don't have the person beside you doesn't know they don't know that, and there's no network. Right, small industry, there's networks. Oh, I know someone, it's not like that. So they'll ask you and you could say no and you won't get in trouble because it wasn't, you weren't hired for that. But you you can say yes. So there are big companies out there. When I say big, I mean like a thousand people where you can grow. So it's not like it's impossible, Uh, you know. (laughs) It's hard for small companies to provide enough challenging skills development stuff. That's the one thing about when you work for a larger company. I worked at companies where they would send you out to, to get skills training in different 
types of apps or, you know, if you should, uh, recently, I guess, if you showed an interest in like UX, they'd send you to get accreditation as a UX designer sure. or whatever to like up your skills. And so in the smaller, smaller companies, you're, you're relying on the, on the immediate team to sort of build those, those skills and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's fair. Like two employers ago, yeah, they sent me to like a film school crash course for Premiere and that's right. part of how I learned Premiere. Yeah. Well, and maybe that doesn't happen anymore just because of the internet. Maybe we're all just on YouTube, YouTube yeah. being taught how to use After Effects. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Could be. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, that's fair too. I mean, that's how I learned HTML, CSS. So you know, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a there's a there's a danger in there, uh, and that is that there is. I think you touched on this a bit. Is that your role and the and the sort of job creep, if that is such a thing, the unicornification of yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. We don't hire graphic designers anymore. We hire graphic designers that are also animators and and uh, video editors and videographers and sound technicians. And, you know, and I think that's dangerous. Mm. You know, in a way, because I feel like expected to know so much. But I think you're right. It's that same willingness to 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 learn when you're presented with a challenge and thinking creatively about how to come to a solution. And if that means learning a bit of a new piece of software in order to prototype a thing to get it sold so that we can get a real team to like <laughs> produce it at the end or yeah. something, that might be <laughs> more of what... But yeah, one of the things I liked about um, one of your podcast guests from Zach... Oh, Nicole. Director Nicole. Nicole. And she mentioned that even if she wasn't expected to edit uh, a video or right. create something in After Effects, she was able to speak about the storyboarding process. She could speak that language really easily and understood what it meant, which would lead to uh, a, a creative outcome faster or more easily or with more more effective uh, communication. So so I, I like that idea that even if you're not an expert in those things, you don't have to learn the, the skill to be an expert at it, but in order to be able to talk about it. Yeah, I've definitely had conversations with art directors where I just wanted to put down a hard no because it wasn't getting through. This is why we can't do that. And this right. is a production thing that we need to consider. And it was just, but can you do it? And I was like, it's a production thing we need to consider. And I really wish that <laughs> they had a little bit of like for me to bite into. What can you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you need a wrap up? Do you need like a... Um, maybe we'll just use this. <laughs> Is this done yet? Is this done yet? <laughs> just in case anyone doesn't remember, it's madebyemblem.com slash office dash hours. And um, they're 20 minute sessions. You can speak to um, anyone working at Made by Emblem. So thank you to Eric for providing these. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Maria, thanks for joining today. Thank you so much for inviting me too. And Sarah, it's so great you could come back. Thank you so much for having me.